Hey everyone, this is Jordan Pelfrey, and you're listening to the second message in our Christmas series, Jesus' Home Life. This message is called A Home Based on Trust and is all about trusting God's direction for our lives. In this message, we take a look at four significant dreams that Joseph has in chapters one and two of Matthew and how those dreams brought God's direction into his life and shaped the early life of Jesus. Hi. Good to see. I should have pre-clipped this to my back pocket. How are you guys? Good. If we haven't met, my name is Jordan, and I am the student ministry pastor here at Vineyard Northwest, and it is good to be here. Um, this morning, I was joking with my wife. I've, this is the third time I've gotten to preach on a Sunday, which is exciting. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but I was joking with my, wife, with my wife. I was saying, I wonder what my humbling experience will be this morning. The, uh, the first two times I preached, uh, the very first time I was sitting right there in the back, I uh, got here kind of early and was just reviewing my message notes, and uh, someone from the congregation came in and said, oh, are you preaching this morning? I said, yes, I am. It's my first time preaching here, really excited. And he said, what church are you from? Oh. <laughs> I said, this one. I've worked here for about a year and a half. And then uh, last time I, I preached and was feeling pretty good after the first message and I had to go to the bathroom. And so I was in the bathroom and this guy walked in and said, man, that was an awesome message. Good job, Jason. <laughs> so I'm looking for my uh, humbling experience. So maybe you'll give it to me. Thank you. I, thank you in advance. So uh, once again, my name is Jordan and I work here as the student ministry pastor. And uh, we're doing this Christmas series about Jesus' home life, and um, today's topic is a home based on trust. Specifically, I want to focus on trusting God's direction for our lives. Um, You know, just like a side note, we did just do a series on God's guidance. It was like five or six weeks long. It was really, really good. So if anything in this message, you're like, I want to know more about like trusting God's direction or God's guidance in my life, that is like the first resource you should go check out. It's really good. Five uh, or six message on God's guidance. Um, that, that's a really great place to stop by. But um, today, I want to look at the story of Jesus' birth, uh, but from the perspective of his earth father, Joseph, and specifically four very significant dreams that Joseph has that literally shape the course of Jesus' life um, and, and do a lot of really cool stuff. So these four dreams, they provide direction for Joseph's life, and they have a direct impact on the life of Jesus. Um, each one and the resulting trust that Joseph has for God's direction in his life um, are tied to significant messianic prophecies that may not have been fulfilled if Joseph hadn't trusted uh, the voice of the Lord. Um, they're tied to Jesus' survival as a baby, and they literally impact the location of at least three of Jesus' homes that he grows up in. So a home based on trust. He literally grows up in places that are based on trusting the direction of God. So that's pretty cool. So even though um, Joseph, he's a pretty, rel- like he's a relatively minor player in the biblical narrative. He only kind of shows up um, a few times, these like really early chapters of a couple gospels. Um, but 
his obedience, his trust in God's direction for his life was an essential piece to God's plan for redeeming the earth and, and reestablishing his kingdom on the earth. So um, even though he, we, we really don't see much of him after uh, these early chapters, um, he plays such a huge role. Like so much rests on his trusting obedience to the direction of God. And so all that to say, um, it's really important that we trust God's direction. You, you know, you never know what your yes to God is going to do in your life and other people's lives and, and an entire community, or in this case, it, humanity. Um, it's a pretty big deal. So, um, and as we'll see, God's direction, it's not always convenient. It's not always easy. Um, it's often messy, but it's worth it, and it's, it's awesome. So, um, what I want to do is we're going to take a look at these dreams, and then I want to tell you a couple stories from my life in trusting God's direction, and then I want to just pull a few um, things out of the passages and what I've learned uh, from my life. Sound good? Should be a quick hour, hour and a half. Um. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. So if you want to, if you flip there, you can do that. I'm in the NLT if you're scrolling. Or it'll just be on the screen behind me. But here we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25 says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to, not, uh, he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So here we are in the midst of dream number one right here. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to, the fulfill, to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with, is with us. We're almost there. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So dream number one, this angel comes to Joseph in his... Um, uh, in his dream, and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Like, she has been faithful to you. She's telling the truth. This is really of God. This is actually uh, perhaps the most of God thing ever, and it's very important. Um, and so, so take, her as her, take her as your wife. She's faithful. This is a God thing. And then he says, name him Jesus. So um, as a result, um, uh, we're not going to read this specific one, but uh, there's a prophecy that's mentioned in chapter 2 um, as a result of Joseph taking Mary as his wife, Jesus ends up being born in Bethlehem, which is where the Messiah was meant to be born. So that's uh, one major prophecy that's fulfilled because Joseph said, okay, I trust what the Lord's saying. Um, Mary had to go with Joseph because they were married to Bethlehem, um, and that's where Jesus ends up being born. Um, and then on top of that, Jesus literally gets his name from Joseph. Joseph names him Jesus. So really, really big deal. Um, so that's dream number one. And then as we, uh, as we move forward, time out, sorry. This is going to bother me. This is not centered. 
in the room. That was just driving me insane. I, isn't it crazy? Just the couple inches. Okay. I feel much better now. So that was all. That was the end of chapter one. As we get into chapter two, uh, what happens is Jesus is born. Um, these guys called the three wise men or the magi, they, they come to Israel and they go to the, the reigning king at the time, King Herod, and they say, we saw this star rise. Where is the king of the Jews meant to be born? And I don't know if you know this, but when you come to another king who didn't just have a son and you say, where's the king supposed to be born? They don't, they don't, they don't take that very well. So um, these wise men, they say, where's the king supposed to be born? And um, Herod consults with these teachers, and he says, the prophecy says he'll be born in Bethlehem. And so Herod, kind of having some um, ulterior motives here, says, hey, why don't you go find him, and then come back and tell me where he is, so that I can go worship him as well. Um, but in reality, um, he's really plotting to kill him, so no one can threaten his throne. Um, but what happens, the wise men, they go and they visit Jesus, and they give him uh, several gifts. Um, I think a lot of times you get this picture of like this like really like kind of meager portion. Like in the, it literally says they open their treasure chests, like multiple chests, and give him gold and myrrh and frankincense, and, so, and, and they worship him. So they're honoring this little baby. And... Um, what happens is they actually have a dream that says, don't go back to Herod. So they leave Bethlehem, and they go, um, they just leave, they go back to their homeland a different way, and that's where we pick up with dream number two. This is uh, Matthew 2, verse 13. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So here we are, dream number two. Get up, flee to Egypt with a child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in, in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's reports of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what, was, uh, what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. So dream number two, this angel says, Joseph, get up, leave immediately, go to Egypt. Herod wants to kill the baby. And Joseph obeys and um, gets up literally in the middle of the night, and they leave for Egypt. So dream number two um, fulfills another prophecy, I will call my son out of Egypt, and literally saves Jesus' life. Like, we don't, like, Jesus doesn't get past the age of two without Joseph's trusting obedience to the Lord. And then... Um, And, and, and again, as I kind of mentioned earlier, trusting God's voice isn't always convenient. Um, I think this is like the height of inconvenience. Jesus, like Joseph is woken up in the middle of the night and told, you need to get up right now 
Not wait until your alarm goes off at 7 a.m., but get up right now. Go um, take this baby to Egypt. Um, not super easy. I don't know if you've traveled very far with a, with a two-year-old or someone younger than that, but it doesn't sound like, a, like an easy trip. And then um, the last two dreams I want to read about are in Matthew 2, 19 through 23, um, the, this last little bit of chapter 2. Uh, it says, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So dream number three, here we go. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, I think that's uh, one of the top 20 baby names of 2019, if, you weren't, <laughs> if you're looking for a new name, um, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So he was warned in another dream. So fourth dream. Um, left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in the town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. So dream three and four, go back to Israel and then finally go to Galilee. Um, another prophecy fulfilled. He'll be called a Nazarene. Um, and this like kind of ends up being the backdrop for the start of Jesus's ministry. This is like the first, um, this is like, his, this becomes his hometown. So we just read four dreams determine three, at least of Jesus's homes. Um, they fulfill at least three prophecies and literally saves his life. And on top of that, I think that these dreams set an example of what it looks like to trust God's direction literally in Jesus' life. By the time they leave Egypt, um, Jesus is likely old enough to understand we're moving because dad had a dream. Like, I, I, I'd imagine they've been there for a while. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit more, but um, basically we can guess that he was in Egypt anywhere from two to six years. So Jesus has done a little bit of growing up in this time. And, and so they're like established there and suddenly they get up and leave and I'm sure I, if, you've, if you've ever met a five-year-old, they're why, 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 why? I'm sure Joseph said, because the Lord spoke, so we're moving. So Jesus is brought up in a home that values the voice and the direction of God that believes when God speaks, we listen and we trust. I believe, and this is speculation, um, I got into a fun conversation this week about how much nature versus nurture played a role in Jesus' upbringing. Um, the answer is I have no idea. Um, but I think that there's a, this, this had a potential impact on Jesus' life and ministry. I, I think uh, we see time and time again that Jesus values the direction of the Father. Even though we know Jesus is God, totally here, he, he still pursues the direction of Father God. And so um, we see at the very end of his life, we get a look into one of his prayers, and, and he's asking God, um, you're able to do anything. Can we do this some other way? Do I have to die this way? And he ends it by saying, but not my way, your way. And, and, and I have to believe, at, at the very least, I think that he grew up and, and had memories and was encouraged by remembering his earth father's faithfulness to the direction of God. 
we see often uh, Jesus uh, tries to go away and pray alone. And, and it, it's fair to assume that he's pursuing intimacy with the Father, but I think it's also reasonable to expect that he's seeking God's direction, that he's spending this time trying to hear God's voice, hearing God's voice very well, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think this all started by the example of his earth dad, Joseph. Jesus grew up in a home that trusted God's direction. In my life, I try to do this too. Um, About six years ago, I think, was kind of the first time that I really started leaning into, okay, maybe there's something here in the God directing your life and having thoughts for you and a plan for you. Um, And it it was when I went to college. Um, If you didn't know, I went to Cincinnati Christian University so this week has been a little bit sad. This is one of the last weeks that my college will be in operation after 95 years. So sad. And uh, this week, Holly and I got to go to this thing called Family. And it's a, uh, a service that happened every Wednesday night during the school year that was put on completely by college students. So they ran the sound, did the lights, did the music, the preaching, all of that. Um, and this was the last one, so they made a big invite, and a bunch of alumni came back, and, and so Holly and I were there, and I was thinking about this message, and just being on campus reminded me of how going to this school put me in a place to trust God's direction for my life, and I think that's best illustrated by the very first time, uh, the very moment that I decided this is where I'm going to go to school. Uh, it, Remember back, if you can, to when you're like a senior in high school, or think forward to when you'll be a senior if you're not there yet. Um, I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, I felt a lot of anxiety about my future. I wasn't really good at anything specifically. Like there was, there was no like huge passion on my in my heart for like I need to do this with my life. Um, yet. High school doesn't just get to keep going, so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, staring down the barrel of my future, and I have no idea what I want to do, where I want to go. I knew I didn't want to live at home, so um, my, my only plan was I need to find a college and go to it. So um, I, I applied to several colleges. I get into one, um, but it's out of state, so it's too expensive, and I can't afford it. Um, and then... Um, I don't even get into what was my backup school, which probably should have been my like dream school, Ohio State. Um, and so I was pretty left, I was left directionless, basically. And so I graduate, and I basically decide I'm going to go to this uh, community college, and I'm still not super content or happy with this choice and still have a lot of um, anxiety, but also kind of dread over my future just not knowing what's, what's going to happen, what's next. And um, I, I was serving at my church, and there was a middle school summer camp. It was late July, and I go to this summer camp as a, as a small group leader, and um, CCU sent out these things called camp teams, and they would send out four college students, and they would just come volunteer at different camps around the country, and they'd talk a little bit about CCU, but um, that, yeah, that was pretty much their goal, just to recruit people. And I was at this camp, and I met these four people, um, 
And I spent a lot of the week talking to them, getting to know them. They heard a lot about my story. And at the end of the week, one of the guys pulled me aside and said, you know, Jordan, um, I, I've heard so much about you this week. You know, I, and it sounds like you're not very excited about what you're doing next. Um, it also sounds like uh, you might have a call in your life to go into ministry, which at this point in my life, I had been told by you know, a couple important people in my life, a couple pastors, like, hey, you should really consider being a pastor, and like, there's a gifting on you for that, and I was kind of running from that. Uh, worst thing you can ever tell your youth pastor, for you middle school and high school students in here, I want a real college experience, <laughs> not to go to a Christian school. So that was, what I, that, was my, that was higher on my priority list. But anyway, uh, he said, maybe you should consider CCU. Like the semester starts in three weeks, but it might be worth checking out. So I said, fine, you're right. I, I'm not super pumped about anything going on in my life right now, so let's go check out CCU. What can it hurt? And so I drive to CCU, and there's this, uh, this really crazy steep driveway that you drive up. It's, it's in Price Hill, so it's already on a hill, but then it's on another massive hill. And so you drive up this crazy driveway. It's this uh, beautiful summer afternoon, and I park in the guest parking lot, and I open my door, and I get out, and I just look at the campus. And for the first time in what must have been months, I felt peace. And... And I was just looking at this campus and, and felt this peace. And then following that came this confidence and, and this thought that this is where I'm going to school. Like, this is what God has for me. And at this point in my life, I, uh, I'm not sure, I didn't really believe God did that. Um, I'd never really encountered God in this way. So I had no grid for what was happening. I just knew, okay, there feel, something different is happening in my life right now that I've never felt or experienced before, and it feels right. So I'm just going to go with that. And um, so I, I stood there. I looked at the whole campus, decided this is where I'm going. It doesn't even matter if I see the rest of it, even though I could see the whole campus from that spot. It's a very small place. Um, and I went inside, got the tour. Uh, they gave me an application. I applied that day. I've got like 14 days until the semester starts. I go on a mission trip to Jamaica, and I get back, and my mom calls me and says, hey, good news, you just got into CCU, you move in in three days. <laughs> and it was just crazy how, like, the, the minute I stepped into the direction that God had for me, everything just started to fall into place. The things that gave me anxiety were now exciting. Um, and it, it, it just fit perfectly. Like, it, it, CCU is very small. And they used to let in anybody that breathes, so that's probably why they're closing. <laughs> but the fact that I got into this school in like 10 days is insane. It took Ohio State three or four months to say no to me. <laughs> I think it took the ACT company nine days to send it to them. So they saw it and they're like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. He has somewhat of a brain. Another instance in our life, uh, my wife, Holly, who's sitting right here, she's pretty amazing if you haven't met her, um, she uh, also went to CCU, and, and because I went to CCU, I got to meet her. We literally met days later. She became my best friend, and now uh, my best friend and my wife, so that's cool. And, uh, and she was going to school uh, in the psychology program, originally wanting to be a counselor, 
And some things happened in her life that made her think, you know what, maybe I'm not cut out for counseling. I'm just going to stick with a normal four-year degree, and, um, and we'll just roll with that. We'll see what happens with the psychology degree. And even though her senior year, as she's taking like these um, mandatory intro to counseling classes, like her professors are literally saying, please, will you be a counselor? Like, you are clearly made for this. You need to do this. This is like, like, do it, do it, do it, please. And she's like, no, you're the best in the class. No. Um, and so she decides to not go into counseling. And then uh, we get married right at the end of school. And maybe a year or so in, we're, we're reading a counseling book together because it turns out uh, teenagers need a lot of counseling. And so we're, we work with them a lot. So we were trying to read this like basics of counseling um, and supernatural counseling book uh, from Jason Valentin. Uh, and we're like in the middle of the first chapter and she's like, oh, this is awesome. I think I should be a counselor. <laughs> Woo. And, uh, and so we were at kind of this interesting point in our life. Uh, we, I'm not sure if we were pregnant yet or nearly there, um, planning on it, working towards it. And so there was a lot going on. Like I, I was working, she was working, but she was thinking about leaving her job once we had the baby. Um, and all this stuff is going on. This was not a convenient time for her to awaken to her calling. <laughs> and so um, she was like, yeah, we're going to do this. And like a week later, I was like, okay, fine, we're going to do this. And so we committed, like, we're just going to find a school, and don't tell Dave Ramsey, but we'll take loans out if we have to, and um, we're going to go after this, because this is like, this is it. Um, and so Holly's dad catches wind that she's uh, looking for schools, and he says, hey, you know, I'm a disabled vet now, so you actually have um, maybe some benefits. We're not sure if it works out for um, children who get married and children who have already graduate, like already have an undergrad degree. Um, but it turns out after some research, there were like nine schools that she was eligible to go to. And, and so she picks one of those, gets in, and then months of like trying to figure out this uh, financial aid stuff. Like, do we need to take out loans? Are they covering some of it? Will they cover all of it? Um, we had no idea what was happening. She literally had picked her classes already and we didn't know how we were paying for school yet. And then one day I'm here and she calls me. She's like, hey, just found out they're covering 100% of school, which is crazy. And then, yeah, we can clap for that. Thank you. So cool that God showed up like that. And then on top of that, it just to brag on God's provision a little bit more, we find out after the first semester they actually pay her to go to school. And she gets a stipend for all of her books and stuff, which is pretty awesome. All that to say, I think it's really important to trust God's direction in our lives. I really try to make it a, a, like, there are so many stories that we could tell, and those are just maybe some two of the major ones that we love to revisit and remember, but um, trusting in God's direction, it, it's scary, but it's so worth it. And so uh, what I want to do is, I, here are just three takeaways uh, that I got from Joseph's story and a little bit from mine. Um, in trusting God's direction. Uh, the very first one, trusting God's direction brings provision. In Joseph's case, I think it's really convenient that the wise men show up the day before he's told to go to Egypt. Because 
I don't know how much gold he got, but I'm sure whatever he got helped. That, that makes a, a hundreds of miles journey a little bit easier when you've got treasure chests worth of gold and other valuable things. Um, it, you know, in my life, in our life, Holly ended up with a, a full ride that we had no idea. We said yes to what God was doing before we even knew that was an option. Um, even at CCU, I showed up on the first day and found out I got this $5,000 scholarship that I was like, where did that even come from? I had written an essay and didn't even know I was applying for. Um, and it just reminds me of one of my favorite verses, uh, Matthew 6.33, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And, and all of these things, in context of that passage, are all of these material things that the Lord knows that we, he knows that we need food, he knows that we need clothes, he knows that we need money, and says as we seek his kingdom, those things are added. As we say yes to trusting in God's direction, provision comes. And, and I think that's exactly what happens in Joseph's life and in Jesus's life. That's what's happened in my life, and that's what can, can happen in your life and will happen in your life. Um, the second thing, trusting in God's direction is not always easy. Uh, going back to the first dream where, where the angel tells Joseph, it's okay to take Mary as your wife. In fact, you should do it. Um, we don't get a report of Joseph's family getting a dream or Mary's family or their hometown getting a dream. As far as we know from this passage, only Joseph and Mary know this is a God thing without a doubt. And, um, you know, in this time, it wasn't cool to show up pregnant uh, and it not be your fiancés. It's still not cool now. Um, but it was especially not cool then. So this was a big deal. And I can almost guarantee they lost relationships. Mary had already lost relationships for sure when she turned up pregnant. But when Joseph says, I'm still going to marry her anyway because I believe this is from God, I guarantee he became like the outcast of his family. So saying yes to God's direction um, brought a lot of hardship and, and relational loss. Um, on top of that, I, I talked a little bit earlier about um, traveling to Egypt was probably not super easy. I have a six-month-old, and she freaks out when we're in the car for more than like 30 minutes, and that's hard. And I have heat and air conditioning and a car. I don't know how easy the journey is with a two-year-old and a donkey to a desert. <laughs> not easy, I would guess. And the third one, trusting in God's direction brings peace. In those last two dreams, we see uh, Joseph wasn't so sure about being back in Israel. Um, and then it almost seems like in response, God sends him a dream that says, hey, go settle in Galilee. That's what I have for you. And, and I'd imagine that, would, that, that brought a lot of peace to Joseph's life. Um, in, in my story, there was, there was this peace that came when I realized what God's direction was for me, what was for in my life. As, as I looked at the campus, I experienced peace. All the anxiety went away. The fear of my future left because I knew this is where I'm supposed to be. Now, I want to share three things to do in response to God's direction. It should go without saying, number one is obviously do it. Trust God's direction in your life. So we're just going to call that one a freebie, and here are three more. 
Uh, the first thing, share about what God is speaking. Like I said earlier, Jesus would have been old enough to understand they're moving because dad had a dream. I'm sure, well, I mean, we must, Joseph must have shared the first dream with Mary because I'm sure she was shocked. Why are you going to marry me still? You didn't believe me yesterday. Well, I had a dream from the Lord. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sure that he shared his dreams with the rest of the family as they're walking back from Egypt. Yeah, this angel showed up. He probably told Jesus exactly what the angel looked like, how he sounded, how he felt. It's a long walk from Egypt. Not much to talk about. Um, but I, I believe that talking about how God is directing us and talking about the ways that we're hearing God's voice, um, it, it, it builds a value for God's voice in our lives and in those closest to us. And also, um, I think it builds faith that God is present. When, when we see the fruit of trusting in God's direction and we've been able to share about it, it's not just a coincidence that this happened. I had this experience where God showed up and told me to do this thing. I did this thing and now look at my life. Like that builds faith that he's moving and wants to move in everyone's life. Honestly, I really need to grow in this area. I, I think it's, it's pretty easy to stand here and tell a church of people who 90% of you at least probably believe everything that I just said and, and, and believe the same way that I do. But when it comes to my family, um, I don't have uh, similar experiences to them. And, and so just recently, uh, Holly and I were on vacation with a bunch of our family and, and my, uh, one of my family members said, Jordan, I don't, why did you decide to go into ministry? And that would have been a great opportunity to share everything I just shared with you, that I was so anxious and the peace of God and this confidence, and now look at my life. Um, but instead, I said, well, you know, it just kind of felt right, and uh, I just, you know, just didn't know what else to do with my life, so here I am. <laughs> so powerful, right? <laughs> I need to grow there. It's important that we share those things. Who knows what could have come from that conversation if I had just been like, you know what, here's what happened. It might sound crazy, but it's true. Second thing, trust that others hear too. I think this one's hard. Um, it's hard to believe that others hear from God. It's hard to give up control, especially when they hear from God something that we don't love. But it's so important that we, we listen to other significant voices in our life that we trust, hear from God as well, and hear from God for us. I think it's important to consult them. Um, Mary and Joseph both had separate significant encounters with God that confirmed the same story. Mary heard from this angel that she was gonna be pregnant by the Holy Spirit and got all this information. And then Joseph separately had a dream from this angel that, that confirmed everything. And that built trust between them. Okay, Joseph hears from God. Okay, Mary hears from God. And I'd imagine that that trust was really strong, really important when Joseph's shaking Mary awake at 2 a.m. We need to go to Egypt now or we're gonna die. Like you really gotta have a lot of trust there. So it's important that, that we trust and um, that we trust that those around us hear from God and, uh, and that we can actually rely on each other, especially if you have a spouse, 
um, or, or um, just people that are like really close, kind of that inner ring of people. We need, to, we need to have people around us that hear from God and that we trust to speak into our lives that way. Final thing, when God speaks, we need to act with the appropriate amount of urgency. When God speaks, we need to act with the appropriate amount of urgency. I think it's, you know, every dream that Joseph has, we, we get the sense that immediately he wakes up and he acts on it. Um, as I was thinking about this, if you notice, Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and then Herod decides to kill all the babies that are two and under, based on what the wise men say. So um, it's fair to assume Jesus could have been about two years old when uh, they're told to leave Egypt. Um, I'd imagine that has probably something to do with the lost relationships of uh, them staying together. Um, but for whatever reason, they built a home in Bethlehem. They spent two years in Bethlehem, and at a moment's notice, they got up and they left. In Egypt, they were there for somewhere between two and six years. Like, you establish a home in that time. Joseph had a job. Jesus had best friends in the neighborhood. Um, and again, we get this sense that, uh, well, the angel literally says, get up, go to Israel. And Joseph obeys with the proper amount of urgency. So when we sense God's direction in our life, it's really important that we act on it in the appropriate way. And, and uh, the reason I, I, I say that is because, you know, if, if you get a word, it's like, you know, someday you're going to go to the nations. That doesn't mean you need to, like, sell your house right now and, and move to the middle of nowhere. Like, like, wait until that's confirmed in your life. But if... Um, I mean, our, our prophetic rules are like no dates, mates, or babies, so you're probably not going to hear, today you will go to Egypt uh, from one of our prayer team up here, but um, it's important that we act on the words that we receive uh, from God. To close, um, I just want to say, spend some time this week reflecting on your trust in God's direction. Have you done it? Where's it, where's it been? Like, where, where have you trusted in God's direction how has that turned out for you? If you're thinking, well, I haven't, things can get a lot better in your life when you lean into what God has for you. It's scary, it's messy, um, it's not always easy, but it is so, so worth it. And then the next thing I want you to think about, what is he leading you to now? What, what, where is he directing you? He might be saying stay, he might be saying go, he might be saying do this, but, but really like just spend intentional time, pursue God's direction in your life this week. Um, will you stand with me? We'll pray. Is there anybody in the room, you can just raise your hand, anybody in the room that's kind of like on the cusp of doing something new, like maybe you're about to start schooling, maybe you're starting a business, maybe you're thinking about a move or a job change, Any, anybody like that, will you raise your hand? Cool, well, we're, we're going to pray for you, but the, also for everybody, I, I, that was fun, she raised her hand and made him raise his hand. <laughs> um, well, let's just pray for you. If, if you're around one of those people and they're okay with it, put your hands on them. Um, otherwise, just receive whatever the Lord's going to do. Um,
Holy Spirit, we invite you. Will you come? Will you release peace over big decisions? Will you release confidence in your word, in your guiding? Thank you, Lord, that you have already been thinking about how to provide for this next step in life uh, longer than they have. Lord, will you open ears to hear your direction clearly? Would you make us people that listen and act on what you say? Father, we love you, and we just say yes to whatever you're doing. If you're ready to step into God's direction, will you just say yes with me? One, two, three, yes. Amen.